With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast with your multimedia host, Colin McGilligan. And this week, I'm joined by not just Simon Baikowski, but... Your other Manchester City writer, Joe Bray. Lucky me. How you doing, fellas? You alright? Yeah, yeah. Been a good week, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> really good week for us here. Um, but let's let's get straight in to uh, the discussion this week. Obviously, City beating Young Boys 3 0 uh, this week. And I want to get a bit of a discussion going on it, fellas. So, Joe, we'll come to you first, mate. What do you make of the game? Feels like it was about three months ago, to be honest. Um, yeah, it was as easy as you would probably have expected it to be. Um, City made a few changes, which we weren't really sure about the team sheet, were we, when we when we saw it come out, who's going to play where. But it was uh, as soon as they got those first half goals and Foden gets one just before half-time, it was easy as you like. And then the substitutions afterwards, he can rest players. So he did take it seriously because he wanted City to get into the, the last 16, but also he's still looking ahead to the runner fixtures coming up. So, um, and yeah, when young boys captain gets sent off or it wasn't the captain, was it? It was the, yeah. wh- whoever stupidly goes in for second, second foul. Lorper. Lorper. <laughs> yeah. Let the punch roll. <laughs> Do you make of it, Si? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sort of unlike at Reach PLC, the, the show goes on elsewhere. Um, it was sort of a surprise to see Haaland start, I suppose, because he'd come off injured at the weekend, but it showed that Guardiola doesn't have any worries about his fitness and also was taking the game seriously. And, you know, when he's named in the starting lineup, you think, right, well, if he breaks down again and he's then out of Sunday, it's, a, it, it's not worked. But when he plays and he scores two goals, and even one of them being a penalty, always nice when I'm still not used to a City player scoring a penalty. So uh, when that happens, you're like, it's, it's paid off. Um, it was a thoroughly professional job from, you know, a, a professional team showing why they're, they're the best in Europe, really. And we were just talking about it on Monday, I think it was, that it's just been a, it's, it's been uh, an exquisite start to a Champions League campaign, really, hasn't it? It's just there's been no mishaps whatsoever. No, but I mean, it's funny because we say, like, Guardiola's been banging the drum ante, obviously, to, to get the group won so we can forget about it and then... You say, all oh, right, you can forget about it now. And he says, well, no, we've still got to top the group and we're still going to... And it's like, there's always a next, there's always a next. But that is, that is what makes, makes the manager and makes the team. Makes the team. Mm, yeah, 100%. Joe, you've done a bit this week um, on Rodri, City actually winning a game without him, which is, uh, which is novel. Um, how significant is that? It's massive, really, isn't it, when you look at him being out the side and City still managing to pick something up? It is significant but only for 45 minutes because Guardiola said afterwards they were able to do that because John Stones was back. And when Rodri was out and suspended, Stones wasn't there and they had to sort of 
work out who was going to replace him and no one really stood up. Then Stones comes back, City are playing better. He's allowed to drop Rodri because Stones can push up into midfield alongside Kovacic and it just looks so much more balanced. And then Stones goes off and we hear he's going to be out for, for a while now and it's just another blow for City. So will they be able to drop Rodri in the future when Stones is out? Because it's not worked in the past, they've lost three out of three. They win because Stones is there and the 2-0 up by the time Stones is off. I think it, it shows the, the reliance on Stones in that position and also how good he's getting in that sort of defensive midfield position. But there's still no one who's stepping up really and offering a a like-for-like like replacement for, for Rodri. Just mean we're going to have to talk about him again? Well, it, I, I don't think we talk about John Stones enough. Um partly because we still don't know. So we still can't quite believe the role that he's doing and it's kind of evolving all the time and he's getting better all the time. And, um, you know, it was absolutely true to point out that City really missed Rodri for three matches. But would they miss Rodri as, you know, when we spent however long we spent saying, who's your Rodri replacement? Well, the answer would have been Stones, but he was out. And City have got really better since Stone, since Rodri came back in. But how much of that is because Stones is in the team as well? And how much were they missing Stones just as much as they were missing missing Rodri? So, you know, we, we still don't quite know um, exactly how important Stones is. But like we've said before, he's one of the best players in the world and you, he would make any team in the world. So they're going to really miss him. So they've got a job to try and find sort of a way of playing without him. And Rodri will help massively, but they're still going to need something else for the foreseeable. At the start of when they first signed um, Gavardiol, <clears throat> I mentioned in a couple of videos that I could see him just in that defensive midfield role. You know, I think he's got obviously an excellent left foot. Vision is very, very good as well. I thought he may, may be able to slot in there. I think he's done it a couple of times for Croatia as well. But it was interesting in, after the game, Pep was talking about Ake and Akanji also being in that position. Um yeah, what, what you thought? I think he was talking about the sort of stones all pushing forward from centre back into into midfield. It sounded like at the start that they, he'd, he'd look at Ake and Akanji as maybe playing in Rodri's position, which we've not seen them do. But we have seen them both push into midfield from full back or not so much at centre back. But no, no, but it was a, it was a Kanji forward for the Champions League final, exactly, wasn't yeah, it? And for the goal, made so. the goal, yeah. So. We have seen them do it and they can do it and that's the way that Guardiola wants to do it and if Rodri isn't there, have a defender pushing up and maybe next to Kovacic or Bernardo or someone like that, that could work. But yeah, I think he said we are in trouble when when he was t- talking about Stones and I think it's it's true in that regard because he's so versatile and he, he gives you so many more options and he, he's also really clever in these big games that are coming up when they'll, they'll need someone like that who's got the experience, got the got the sort of like tactical ability to play in different formations. It's crazy the level that he's gone to now as well, isn't it, Stones? Like, from where he was at City, like how, he's a Swiss army knife, isn't he, at the, at the moment? He's just... Yeah, and for me, you just go back to that Champions League final, like the most, I think it was the most dribbles in a final since Messi. You're like, you, he, he, he's just like impossible to say how good he is. He's so good. Um, and it will take a lot to... To replace him, I, I've been surprised with Guardiol how little he's played in the middle because he's he's played at left back pretty much the whole entire time, and even when he's played at left back, he's not really gone 
like inside alongside Rodri. Far more often he's gone sort of down the left helping out with Grealish or Doku or or whatever, which I know he's played left back a few times before, but like you, I could see him moving into sort of that central role and playing it and playing it well. I think maybe it's a bit early in his city career because he's not done it for him to do it sort of on Sunday. But I'd be surprised if the thinking wasn't sort of move him there in the near future. Very impressive, hasn't he? Gladio. Yeah, I, th- I think they're playing him at left back to just get him in, keep him out of the way a little bit and just get him used to the system. Um, but he's he's done that by getting rid of Ake. He's, he's ahead of Ake now, really, in, in the first choice. Left back, he started the derby, he started against Arsenal. He's playing very well in that position, so you, they might be using him out, sort of on that side of defence to just keep him out of trouble and let him learn, but also he's doing really well there, so why would you move him? If, if he's the best left back in the squad at the moment, so it's uh, yeah, it's a really good start for him, and I think also like Stones, the biggest compliment you can give him is that you don't really notice them because they're not doing anything wrong; they're just keeping things moving. They look like they've been playing in the City team for ages. Obviously, Stones has in, uh, and Guardiola hasn't, but it's they just they've clicked. It's just clicked so quickly for Guardiola, and I think that's quite promising, especially when City and Guardiola keep saying he's going to be in the team for the next ten years. Well, that's going to be it for Act 1, everybody. We'll be back in Act 2 discussing Calvin Phillips and a lot more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, me and Sai have just criminally just battered this topic, or I've done it really, like consistently bringing this up. But once again, we've mentioned Ake and Akanji potentially playing in that role. We've discussed Gvardiol. And once again, there's one man who's missing out. Um, where do we go with this now, Joe? Is, it, is he ever going to get minutes consistently for Manchester City? It doesn't look like it, does it? There seems to be a, a growing trend on Twitter of the, the Phillips threshold, which is a 3-0, 3-0 win with a player sent off or a 4-0 lead. <laughs> and it's that's when you bring Calvin on. And it's I think Guardiola said in the same answer when naming Akane Kanji, Calvin played fantastic, but 
you can play very well against 10 men and an easy lead and 4-0 at the weekend he can come on and he can look good but he's just he's not getting the starts when it when there's something on the line and there's a bit of jeopardy and how many players has Guardiola turned to in that defensive role since since Phillips started against Newcastle he's looked at Bernardo, Kovacic, Stones, Rodri like there's so many players Rico Lewis has played there as well. Rico over yeah. as well doesn't he? Yeah. Because he, he trusts players like Rico he just doesn't still doesn't trust Phillips to do that and the more it goes on like that yeah he's getting a few more minutes off the bench but Southgate's not going to look at that and think, yeah, we, we need him to, to start in the Euros if he's just playing 10, 15 minutes at the end of every City win. It's, it's le- it feels like it's leaning more towards a player who just doesn't have a future at City and, and needs to leave. But Guardiola will always say, won't he, that we need him as long as he's here and he's got a, a role to play and he's got a chance to, to fight his way back. It's just the evidence of the team selections suggest a little bit differently. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, can, can you figure it out? Like, what do you think it is that is just that he's not clicking with Guardiola? With Phil? is he just simply not good enough? Is that what it is? I think he just trusts other players more. I think even if you look at Mateus Nunes, who has not had a great start, but he's not had a bad start, and he's getting a few more opportunities in the sort of the young boys' games, if you like. And yeah, I've said it before, but I think when Phillips gets gets the ball. He's always trying to play it safe or think, right, what does Guardiola want me to do? It's not coming naturally in that split second. Guardiola needs it to happen a bit more quickly. So if it's not clicked, it's not clicked. And he's clearly a very good player and will be a good player for another team. But yeah, I think time's running out a little bit. Mm, yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> talking about uh, City players you know, who've come in and made a little bit more of an impression, obviously Jeremy Doku. Um, City have got Chelsea this weekend, which we'll get on to, uh, Cole Palmer chat, but I think we can safely say, say that that's been a, a definite upgrade, um, Jeremy Doku on Cole Palmer, or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there would have been room for both. Um, I think there is a lot of sadness around Palmer going. Um, I don't know if I've said it before, but probably. Um but yeah, it feels like sad that a situation couldn't be resolved where either Palmer felt more assured of minutes or City felt more assured that Palmer wanted to to fight for them. It's never easy playing for for Guardiola and not getting minutes under Guardiola and you know, City will face Raheem Sterling who did that very well for a few years and then just kinda of grew tired of, of the battle. Um and you know, I don't see accelerated plans to buy Doku after Mares left. They weren't expecting Mares to leave, but I still. But they weren't planning on. Well, I don't think anyone expected them to sell Palmer to Chelsea um, permanently. At the time, I think everyone was relatively happy with how much money we got for him. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's a good deal for the player that had been there for the last 18 months. You know, he'd not really kicked on. His injuries had stalled him. His form hadn't really got back to where it was at the start of, say, 2022. But I think, you know, again, you can point to Sterling. City paid £49 million for him and Liverpool were delighted and 
some prominent Liverpool voice in the media said Liverpool had Jordan Ibe, who was already better than Raheem Sterling, and they couldn't believe that they'd managed to get £49 million for Raheem Sterling. And City, at the time, thought it was a very good move and good value for money. And City were proven right, and maybe City will be proven right that £42.5 million is great for Palmer, and, you know... They don't want players who don't want to stay or aren't fully set on staying. So in those circumstances, it's a great fee. But I think it can be a good... But, you know, the way he started, he, Chelsea will think he's an absolute bargain because the money they've spent on players who are nowhere near as good as him, like, he's pound for pound their best signing already. So it's it, it, it's a really difficult situation. And, you know, I think there's... There's an awful lot of people within City and within the fan base who would be very happy to see Cole Palmer do very well at Chelsea. <laughs> Seems to have a bit of swagger about him now, doesn't he? Seems to have really taken that mantle of one of the main men in Chelsea's starting eleven. But he was, he was just never going to get that at City. The, the nature of City is that... But he might have done this season, that's the thing. Yeah, but, yeah but I, I just don't think wingers get it. that much like a run in a team, unless you are playing like Jack Grealish or Bernardo last season, especially at this time in the season, I don't think he would have got back-to-back no, back stats. No, but you know, he come on in the Community Shield and he turned the game, came on in the... Well, he played the Super Cup and he um, got the goal that won them the Super Cup in the end. So, like, if he'd been given a few chances at the start of the season and done something like that, then you can see it. And I suppose, yeah, Doku's come in and got the goals and assists and yeah. he's getting... But then, you know, would you start Docu on Sunday? I don't know. And maybe that <laughs> yeah. is that is exactly why Palmer's left. Because you can score one and set up four and your team in the place still... Your place in the team still isn't secure. Seems it's all about patience, isn't it? And I think evidently if he's, he believes he can kick on, um, he's just going to look out for himself, really. It's not It's not really... I guess it is, you know, it, it is a team game, but he's he's got to look out for his future, really, hasn't he? And, yeah, I think that's what he's done at Chelsea. He's, he's, I think when I've, when I've watched him, especially, you know, in that Spurs game, there's there's a little bit of, when I said swagger earlier, he's going and shushing the Spurs fans, and there seems to be a bit of him and, him and Sterling have a really good relationship as well. So it seems to be a really good move for him, but I, I understand what you mean. It, it is almost like with his ceiling... Yeah, yeah, but that's... that but that Palmer with the swagger is not the Palmer that has played the last eighteen months at City, you know. And he said himself, he's, he didn't perform to the level that he wanted to or he should have done. I think he was another one who was getting the ball and thinking, right, what does Guardiola want me to do? Yeah, and he was sort of attracting the defenders and then playing it back because that's what Guardiola wants. When actually he's better at taking the risk and putting the cross in or cutting inside and having a shot. And is Chelsea, Chelsea are letting him though? doing it. A little bit, but I think Grealish has probably played the game a bit more and adapted and used that first season to to sort of learn what to do. And now he's adapted his own style to the Guardiola style. And uh, yeah, I think Palmer is now getting that freedom under Pochettino. Whether it'll carry on, I don't know. Yeah. But he's getting the freedom. He's getting penalties, which means he's scoring goals, which helps you place in the team. Because if you can show that you're reliable at penalties, then... That's, I think because he assisted for Jackson's last goal, I think. Yeah. So there was some stat that he's like got more assists than Mason Mount for Chelsea in like 140 fewer games. Like he's always involved yeah. in in goals and assists. And if you're looking for someone with the profile of Riyad Mahrez to replace Riyad Mahrez, I can't think of many better options than. 
Cole Palmer. But they've moved on with Doku. They've gone a different way. The top of the league. They're doing very well. Politicians answer there. So. Well, it, it, it's not like you can be too critical of City for it. But at the same time, it, it remains a great shame, I think, that he's gone. You are you are always going to be a different player in a Pep Guardiola system, aren't you? Yeah, but but also you know City fans want to see players from the academy come up and do well, and the dream is having you know homegrown talent in the eleven, and they've waited for so long, and they've got Foden, they've got Lewis, and then they get this amazing kid from Withenshaw, and he's starring at Stamford Bridge every week instead. It is a shame. We'll move on to Stamford Bridge on Sunday. In just a sec, everyone, we'll be back with Act 3. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Act 3 of the Talking City podcast. I've got down here Chelsea preview. The Cole Palmer chat was a lovely little segue. Um, Sunday, 4.30. I'm going to put it down now. I think City are going to batter them. I really do. I wasn't impressed with what I saw Chelsea-wise when they played Spurs. Um, incredible how they didn't do them for 10, especially how Postacoglu set up. But we were speaking off-air about how many times City have gone down there and just won the game comfortably, using that word again, professionalism. Um, what are you thinking for this one, Joe? I just think it's always tight, whether it's scoreline or performance. I, I think Guardiola is a, not fearful of Stamford Bridge, but he's aware of how difficult it can be and he's got his own history with Pochettino and his sort of systems and that sort of thing so I think he would take three points however they come I don't think he's looking at any of these games coming up and thinking we're going to put three or four past these teams I think he's he's going to be looking at City and thinking right what have you got show us that you want to be you know fighting for a fourth title in a row because it's all well and good beating the teams that they have done but they went to Arsenal and didn't quite do what they could do. They went to United and did do what they could do. Um, so it's about getting that consistency in the the bigger games with the, you know, the TV watching and more pressure. And I, I think this run starting with Chelsea will show show us where this City team is at. So looking forward to this one. Yeah, forgotten all about the Pochettino versus Pep. That's going to be very very tasty. Uh, well, it's just kind of another element that adds some intriguing uh, subplots to the to the main affair. But I, I think Pep loves going to Chelsea. I think City love going to Chelsea. They know how big a game it is. They know how tough it is. And more often than not, they... Usually, when you look back on the season, Chelsea away is a memorable performance and a memorable win. It's always a big game as well, Chelsea away. Though. It's always a big game, yeah. Yeah, even um, it was like a few years ago when they played them very early in the season and it was like, it was a decent win, but it was also, it was when Ronaldo had just come back to United and I think they were sort of four wins each at the top of the table and United lost that day while City were playing. So like the song came out from the away end and, and it was like, that was sort of the moment when 
City went ahead of United again and didn't let them back in their sights. So there's always plenty going on when City go to Stamford Bridge. I don't know what's going on with them at the minute as well, Chelsea. I just, I don't. I mean, this could this could come to bite me, but I just don't feel that they've got the minerals to be able to beat City this time around. And it's been obviously a while at Stamford Bridge, but um, they just don't seem to have properly clicked yet. A lot of money invested, obviously. Cole Palmer, it's probably been like I was saying, almost the best signing so far. Um, not been that impressive so far, have they, Joe? I think when they've when they have turned it on it, they do look like they can be a good team, but then they follow it up with something stupid or a, a bad result afterwards. And yeah, I, I think they're struggling for consistency, which is kind of what you expect from a team with 40 players in the squad and all players sort of brought in as builders, big signings, and you, you can't fit them all into, into one team. I think, yeah, as the season goes on, they will improve. So it's probably a good time for City to play them. But yeah, I'm... I'm there's a lot of times in the past where Chelsea, for me, are just boring. They're just clinical. They do what they need to do. They're a good team, but they're not great to watch. I think they're a bit the opposite now. They think they're quite interesting to watch and intriguing, but maybe not a good team and winning all the games. It's always been the case, hasn't it? Even Mourinho's Chelsea. They weren't great to watch. Jesse and Drogba, Lampard, but they were just efficient, weren't they? Um, great, well, the entertainers at the minute. But um, the the Spurs game, and I keep mentioning it, but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to touch on it a little bit. They've beaten Spurs 4-1 away from home. They've ended Spurs' unbeaten run and everyone's come away saying, how rubbish are Chelsea? What side, of the, what side, what side of the coin were you on there? Were you on the coin of disbelief of people like me saying they, played, they, they should have had more? Uh, yeah, they should have had more. Um, and I don't think they played particularly well and I don't think they adjusted particularly well to what Tottenham did. However... I can sort of understand that it must have been a bit sort of discombobulating for them to see Tottenham keep doing what they were doing. <laughs> you think, surely well, not now. Jackson doing the same sure, run yeah. constantly. Yeah. Offside, offside, offside. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose it comes down to game intelligence and it is hopefully no slight on Palmer to say it's kind of an indictment of their other recruitment that he's instantly like one of the most senior and best players in the team despite being... 21 or 22 um so they've that they, they still look like less than the sum far less than the sum of their parts um and don't you know you, when you sort of think of pochettino you think of sort of how great and entertaining he made tottenham uh and that team that really was kind of more than than it seemed uh and chelsea are kind of the opposite of that at the minute the Spurs game, the Spurs performance, I should say, we should probably focus on as well. Obviously, they were top of the league um, before the weekend started. But, I mean, a horror show, really. Romero, um, Adogi, Madison, Mickey van der Ven. And we were speaking on the pod previously about their depth being tested. I mean, wow. Yeah, and it just shows that, because we were talking about how on that phone in that they said, oh, how can you have Spurs falling out the top four? They're unbeaten. And now you look at Spurs and you're like, yeah, they've got a few tough games coming up, including coming to City. Um, it might not be that great for them uh, at the minute. It's, it's a big test. It's the first kind of, well, not the first because they've had to sell Harry Kane and everything, but it is a major challenge for their hopes of a title challenge and hopes of a top four challenge, how they cope with 
their absences now. Mm. I think that's what Newcastle have been trying to improve, haven't they? Just depth, and that's it's just huge, isn't it? The drop off that you're going to get from Madison to whoever comes in, and, and obviously, you know, you saw, you saw even with the central midfielders who came on, it's like Hoiberg, and and you think it's oh, that is a it's a major drop off from from what they have, you know, starting week in week out, and like City know depth is key, isn't it, Joe? So yeah, that's it, and I think it will help them that they're not in Europe and they've not got a got to battle with that as well but yeah those injuries are look like they could be important i think madison might be out for longer which is a blow because he started really well um but it was just it was a really good weekend for city because they didn't just win their own game tottenham lost was it basically they, they started in third and ended the uh, the weekend in in first so they they've done well to start this run of games Christ, it was only um, only Saturday, wasn't it, that yeah. Arsenal lost at Newcastle? Feels like ages ago, <laughs> not Long week. Yeah, <laughs> strangely long, I don't know why. Um, had a bit of a laugh midweek as well. Um, Copenhagen, Man United. Uh, <laughs> lot of lot of referee chatter, but but once again, Manchester United. We need a little segment for these shows, don't we? <laughs> at least until January the 14th. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, let's all laugh at Man United, but it once again, completely bottled it. Yeah, yeah. It's another good game, though. It was a good game. They, like the Copenhagen coach, had a lot to say before the game, you know, saying, oh, this will be a hundred times the atmosphere of Old Trafford and and everything. And you sort of think that usually comes before a fall. But um, no, I mean, obviously the Rashford red card changed changed the game, but there's still no excuse for for th- collapsing twice. They are leaking goals, aren't twice. they? They are leaking goals, si, aren't they? Yeah, and uh, to, I mean, I think, I'm not sure they're even going to get Europa League because I mean, Copenhagen are the easiest team in their group. Second, um, second, aren't they? Yeah, but I think <clears throat> the level on points with Galatasaray, but like you've got to go to Istanbul and then it's all right saying, oh, Bayern have already won the group, so they'll be an easier task at home on match day six, but like, if you can't beat Copenhagen, what chance are you going to do against Bayern's sort of B team or anything like that? It, it's, yeah, maybe it, well, it'll come full circle for former Bayern B team manager Eric Ten Hag. <laughs> um, yeah, it, the every time something goes right for United, they squander it and. Big game at home to Luton for them this weekend. Yeah, huge. Yeah. I mean, they were back at the weekend, weren't they? Joe with a 1-0 win at, at Fulham. So oh, yeah. you're expecting a, a Copenhagen drubbing, but it didn't happen. I think like last year, City went to Copenhagen and had a player sent off. And what they did was just shut up shop, take the draw. And it was a horrible game to watch, that, yeah. wasn't it? So they managed said, the we're game not going to play anymore. So much better. Yeah. United were like, oh, well, we'll just carry on and just were awful just complete goals and yeah. fell apart like you can say that oh they played well with 10 men and they did well to be 3-2 in front with a few minutes to go but just manage the game guys um, and like you know fair enough if like I have more sympathy for Postacoglu because if if he wants to say right we're playing this high line to show that we do this whatever he can be more pragmatic afterwards and you know and they're not expected to win the league so if they don't win the league because of that Chelsea game, then fine, they were never in it. But for United to drop out of the Champions League because they can't defend a 3-2 lead against Copenhagen, even with 10 men, with, with five minutes to go, like is 
below what you would think the standards are at Manchester United. Surely you score that goal and you just defend. You put everyone behind the ball and say, right, this, this is it, we defend this lead, but they just didn't. And when they did have men behind the ball, they were nowhere to be seen. Back on C. Um, tough run of five games, really, isn't it? Coming up. Really tough. Really tough. Um, I mean, yeah, you'd say about them being top of the league that they haven't had too many tests. Um, although they've played Arsenal away, they've played United away. After Sunday, they'll have played Chelsea away. But then, yeah, Liverpool at home, Tottenham at home, Villa away. Um, Leipzig in between that, and then Luton and Belgrade. So, and then the Club World Cup. So Villa in there as well. Yeah, they're going to sort of have to sign off that Premier League run before they go to the Club World Cup with kind of a bit of. They're going to want to be in a very good position, Um, but it's going to be tough because I think Liverpool are probably their biggest contenders for the title this season. Um, huge, huge that the games have been played at the Etihad rather than Anfield, um, but still a tough game. And then Spurs and Villa, all all of those teams can beat them. So, guess a bit of context though as well. Obviously, City already through. Um, Leipzig, Tottenham battered with injuries. Um, oh yeah, City can beat all those teams as well. Um, but it is it's a tougher run than they've had. Hundred percent. Predictions this weekend. We'll come to our guest on the podcast first. Uh, I'm going to say 1-0 City because it often <sighs> is at Stamford Bridge. boring. 1-0. <laughs> no, I'm going to say 4-0. Um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go 3-1 City. What are you thinking? I'll go 3-0. Like it. Normally very conservative <laughs> this time. Well, 1-0 was taken. <laughs> it's it's always 1-0 at Stamford yeah. Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Um, gents, thank you so much for joining me this week. Guys, that's been your uh, this week's edition, uh, your Friday edition, I should say. Two episodes out this week of the Talking City podcast. We'll be back Monday with another edition. Head on head on over to our YouTube channel uh, where you can catch us um, as our uh, other writer, Dan Murphy, said, in visual, co- in visual colour, I should say. And um, yeah, leave us a five-star rating on all your favourite podcast providers.